John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. When you have it, say amen. And the word of the Lord reads, It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Amen. You may be seated. I think most of you would agree with me that we all have a lot going on in our lives. There always seems to be a lot going on, to the extent that we don't have enough time in the day to complete everything that we need to do. We have so much going on. We have work to contend with. We have family matters. We have school for some of us, church activities and events uh, to take care of. So there are, is certainly a lot of things that are going on in our lives. And, and I believe that in the midst of all of those activities, we can lose sight of what is truly important. We can sometimes kind of get distracted in what it is we're supposed to be doing. When we look at the life of Jesus Christ, we see that he was always focused, he remained focused on his purpose. And in that purpose, he always showed love. He never lost sight of the fact that he was to show love and to demonstrate love to those who he came around. And That's why I come before you this morning to center our attention on the topic of demonstrating the love of Jesus. For I think there are too often we we get sidetracked. We don't emphasize love enough. It's not that we won't talk about love. We talk about God's love toward us. But how often do we talk about our love toward others? That is what matters the most. For how we treat others is how God said we treat him. You can't separate the two. And we can't lose sight of that fact that demonstrating the love of Jesus is what's most important. So while we're working, while we're going to school, while we're taking on all of these things that we're we're, um, going through, We don't want to lose sight of showing the love of Jesus Christ. And how do we go about demonstrating that love? How do we love those who don't love us? It's easy for us to love those who favor us or who help us at times. But Jesus Christ's love was not simply for those who loved him. For if that was the case, none of us would be here. I'm confident that there will not be a more difficult task for a Christian than to learn to love like Jesus Christ. For it extends in every part of our life, it affects every part of our life, 
It's a challenge for us to love, even at times when we don't feel like it. To love when we know that it may be uncomfortable for us or it may embarrass us in some kind of way. To demonstrate love when we are ridiculed or embarrassed. And in these passages, we see Jesus Christ coming to a final moment here. And what we're wanting to do is focus on verses 1 and 3 in particular and look at the love that Jesus Christ demonstrated in the wake of his crucifixion. I think you would agree with me that Jesus had a lot on his mind. He had the devil scheming in the background, using one of the disciples that Jesus Christ had chosen. Jesus Christ knew that he would go through some suffering. He knew that it was time for him to die on the cross. It was time for him to suffer agony. It was time for him to be embarrassed, humiliated, to be treated like a a sinner when he was guilty. He was innocent, I'm sorry, but treated as though he was guilty. All of these things had to have been running through Jesus Christ's mind. Also to the fact that his disciples would abandon him at the most critical time in his ministry. He would be all alone uh, and have to face this cup that the Lord has, has commanded and demanded that Jesus Christ undergo. And when we look at this period in time, we see that love, Jesus Christ continues to demonstrate love. When we look at verse 2, verse 1, it says that having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Jesus Christ showed love from the beginning of his ministry to the end. He never lost sight of what was important. And as we look at this passage, we come to this period in, 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 in this 13th chapter where there's a Passover feast. And the Passover feast, if you recall, was the period that the Jews celebrated in commemoration and recognition of the wrath of God passing over the Israelites and touching the firstborn of the Egyptians, who they were in bondage to. And that set in stage their exodus, their liberty, their freedom from bondage. And it's, free, it's fitting that Jesus Christ is coming upon this time during the Passover, and he would now stand in place of that, and because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, because of his death on the cross, we will now be covered by the blood. Just as the blood was covering the doorposts of the, the Israelites' homes, the blood of Jesus Christ will now cover those who trust in him and give their life to him, and the wrath of God passes over us. And so it's fitting that we come to this time that Jesus would now be the sacrificial lamb whose blood would cover us. It's time, as Jesus Christ said, it's time for him to to die, it's time for him to suffer agony, but before he does, Jesus Christ is going to demonstrate love. And how does he demonstrate that love? He demonstrates that love by humbling himself and, and washing the feet of the disciples. There was not a more humiliating or humble task that can be done than to wash the feet of someone. 
It was, it was a task that was fitting for a servant, not for the Son of God. And so that's why it's so interesting to see Jesus Christ. He's got all of this going on in his mind. He's got a lot playing out. We can understand if Jesus Christ was wanting to be catered in some way, wanted to be comforted during this time. Jesus Christ could have said, look, I'm going to go to the cross. That should be enough. But he doesn't do that. He says, I'm going to show you the full extent of my love. And he, he, he takes upon himself a towel and begins to wash the disciples' feet. Now, it takes a real man to wash another man's feet. That's true love. He even washed the feet of Judas, who was going to betray him. The one he knew was going to betray him. Jesus was not surprised by that fact. And I'm, I'm confident that he, he, he washed Judas's feet just as good as he did the other disciples. And that just illustrates how much love Jesus Christ had. So why did Jesus Christ wash their feet? Why did he go to that extent? And if we look at verses 15 through 17, he tells us of that same chapter. He says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So Jesus Christ is not, he's not literally saying that, uh, uh, putting in a, some type of program to where they are to be washing each other's feet. That's, that's, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that you are to be as humble as I am. You are to serve in love just as I have served you. And so he says, I'm setting an example for you to follow. Jesus Christ knew that it was very important, it was critical that the disciples understood the lesson of humility and the lesson of love. It was important, it was critical that they understood that lesson. The only way the disciples would turn the world upside down was through their love. The same goes for us today as disciples of Jesus Christ. The most important lesson that we can learn is the lesson of love. But how often do we focus on love? How often do we go through the day, at the end of our day, sometimes if you're like me, you take an account, you say, okay, did I do this? Did I do that? Okay, I did this. I didn't do this. But how often do we look back and we say, how great was my love today? How much did I love today? Did I respond in a loving way? when someone didn't respond to me in a loving way? Did I respond in a Christ-like manner? Did my actions or my response, did it draw them closer to Christ or did it draw them, take them further away from Christ? And that's, we have to challenge ourselves daily in that way. To look at ourselves and say, okay, I should be growing in my love. And, and, and what, how, how effective was I in my love today? In the kingdom of God, love is everything. Because God is love. God is, God is love. Love is a mark of a believer. It's not how much we know biblically or how many degrees we have. But it focuses on how much we love each other. John 13, 35 says, By all this, or by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He's saying there... This is the mark that you know that they are my disciples. For the love that they have for one another. That's how you distinguish them among everybody else. 
for the love that they have for one another. That's how you tell my, my people, my followers apart from those who look like them in some kind of way. He said, it's the, it's the love. He didn't say it's by how many ministries you participate in, it's by how many uh, food kitchens you go to. He says, it's by their love. He says, that's how you tell them apart. That's how you tell my disciples. This love thing is a very big deal. In the kingdom of God, the love is, is a very big deal. I used to think sometimes, you know, I used to think, man, it'd be nice if, you know, all the Christians, they had, you know, like little like wristbands or something or something that they had on, clothing that people say, ah, that's a Christian, you know. Something that's on the outside that you can see, you know, I don't know. You know, because you have some religions where they wear certain things or whatever, and you can kind of tell, okay, that's their, that's their type, that's a person, that's their type of faith. I, I know I see on the outside because that's what they wear. But God is saying, you got it all wrong. It's not what's on the outside that counts. He says it's what's on the inside that counts. He told the Pharisees, he said, you look like whitewashed tombs, he said, because on the outside you look okay, but you're dead on the inside. So Jesus Christ is saying it's not about what you've done or the cross that you have on or Christian gear or whatever it is or the Christian music you play. He says, you will know my disciples by the love that they have for one another. What type of love are we demonstrating? If we spend our entire lives learning all that there is about Christ but fail to learn to, to love like Christ, we miss the mark. I'll say that again. If we learn everything there is to know about Christ, which we can't, but if we spend our time learning all that, all that we can about Christ, but fail to learn to love like Christ, we miss the mark. We can say, I, I, can, quote that, I can quote these scriptures, these verses, and all this other stuff, but if we don't understand and see his love, then we miss the mark. And so what does this type of, what, does, what is the definition of love? Because our love and, and is, can get kind of misconstrued. We look at love, and sometimes we mix up love and think, you know, well, this is how I feel, and love is feelings, and, and God lays out in his word in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he lays out and he lets us know what love is in verses 4 through 8. In 1 Corinthians 13, he lays out, he says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily anger, it keeps no record of wrong, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, love never fails. That is love. That is love. And it even goes on further, it says, and where these three remain, faith, hope, and love, it says, but the greatest of these is what? Love. I encourage each and every one of you to take 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, and tack it up somewhere where you can see it every single day and challenge yourself. Because when somebody's getting on your nerve and you look at them and you say, love is patient, uh-oh. <laughs> love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. It keeps no record of wrongs. How well do we do at that? How often do we bring up the past? 
Look at what they did before. How often are we rude, self-seeking, not patient, not kind, a little boastful, even in a humble way, come at you so you can't even see what I'm, what I'm doing? But that, that, that 1 Corinthians 13 lets us know what love is. And so when we think about love, we always have to keep in perspective and be reminded of what love is. What love is. I, I, I love this definition, but it's, it's tough to, to attain. It's not easy to demonstrate that type of love. It's not easy. But if we focus on this passage, I think we'll see some key points that will help us to demonstrate that type of love. Because it's important, it's essential that we learn the lesson of love. It's essential that we grow in this area. We may not be there yet, but the point is to be growing and to be perfected in that area, to be striving to love more, so that our love is patient, so that our love is kind, so that when others see us, they, they know there's something different about us. There's something different about you. You don't respond like everyone else. And so when we look at, there's three points that we want to touch on, and those points are specifically in verse 3 that we want to focus our attention on where it says that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. The first point that we see in demonstrating love, the love of Jesus is God gives the power to love. God gives the power to love. The Father had put all things in the hands of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had all power, he had all, all authority on earth, in heaven, he had all power. But look at Jesus Christ used that power. Look at how he used that power. Jesus Christ could have called down a legion of angels at any time and said, just do away with my enemies. That's what he told Peter, right? Because I don't need you to fight my battles for me, Peter. Put the sword down. He could have used his power to change the situation with Satan using Judas. He could have, in some way, given Judas enough to withstand that. But Jesus Christ was the one who was controlling the situation there. He wasn't out of control. He was actually in control of the matter. So Jesus Christ could have used his, his power in many different ways, but instead of using his power in these ways, he demonstrated his power by becoming a servant. How many of us look to use what power God has given us to serve? Jesus picked up a towel and he served his disciples in the most humiliating way. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, with all things in his hands, with, with all things in his hands, he says, he took a towel and wiped the disciples' feet. Jesus didn't use his power to boast. Instead, he used his power to love. That's real power. Jesus didn't perform a miracle to remind the disciples how much power he had or how great he was. He displayed a powerful act to show them how much he loved them and how much they were to love others as well. 
It's not about the, 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 the power that we have. It's what do we choose to do with the power that we have? Jesus had a lot on his mind, but we see how he chose to use his power. Jesus didn't have just any type of power. He had the power to love, but it was a supernatural love. It was a love that caused him to go to the cross for you and me. It was a love that caused him to hang up on that cross for you and me. Knowing that we would reject him, knowing that we would abandon him at times, that we would be unfaithful at times, but he still hung up on the cross for you and me. That's real love. And God has given us supernatural power, power to love as well. Now, some may doubt that, but he says that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, he will come upon us. And for those who have given their life to Jesus Christ, we have the Spirit of God within us. And God dwells in us. If we have the Holy Spirit in us, we certainly have the power to love because God is love. Sometimes we question the presence of the Holy Spirit, maybe because we look at the Bible and we say, man, I, I can't do all that they did. I ain't tucking no, touching no handkerchiefs and people are getting healed like they did with Paul. But I think we miss the point because sometimes we look at the miracles that people perform. And God is saying the true miracle is in how you love those who don't love you. It's in how you love those who ridicule or embarrass you. That demonstrates the power of God. So with those who have the Holy Spirit within them, every believer has the power to love. There's no such thing as I can't do it. I'm just not good at that. I can't, I can't do that. I, I, I'm not, you know, that's, just pray for me. 2 Peter 3.1, what does it say? It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. That's what Peter said. Now, do we trust in that? Do we believe in that? It also goes on in 2 Timothy 1.7, he says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. Do we believe that? So that when somebody steps on our toes, we can say, I'll, we don't want to say, I'll have, I'll have grace on them tomorrow, but today, I'm going to show them what, what they did. Every born-again, Holy Spirit-filled believer has been blessed with the power to love. God has given us power. He's given us power to love, but too often, I think we use that power for reasons that bring attention to ourselves instead of to God. We may seek power in even some noble ways to pray for others or the laying on of hands, looking for them to be healed, or we seek power to capture people's attention when we speak, kind of like that E.F. Hutton commercial. You remember that old E.F. Hutton commercial? When E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. That's power. We seek power to move mountains. But how often do we seek power to love more? How often do we go to God and say, God, teach me, help me to love more to today than I did yesterday? Without love, everything we do is in vain. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 3 it says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith 
that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. The pastor is saying, unless love is in the middle of it, I am nothing and I gain nothing. And those are some pretty hefty accomplishments there. To give all that I have to the poor, to surrender my body to the flames. But he says, if you don't have love and you do that, he says it doesn't mean anything. It's in vain. Godly love, the one thing that we see with godly love is it's meant to be shared. Somebody is benefiting from our love. That's why I believe it says faith, hope, and love, and love is the greatest of these, because love affects somebody else. Faith kind of affects me. It, it, it's, it's a little bit more centered around me. Hope is kind of me. It's personal. Faith is personal. Love, everyone who is around you, if you are loving, they will feel it. They will be impacted. That's the reason why when you look at the, those verses 4 through 8 in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about love not being rude, not being self-seeking, not being proud, not being, it's, it, love is patient, love is kind, it keeps no record of wrongs, it always protects, it always trusts. Somebody's always benefiting from love. And so for those who are around us in our sphere of influence, those who are in our lives, how much love do they feel from us? Do they feel that we're loving? And the fact is, we benefited off the love of Jesus Christ. His love was so powerful, he says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. He says not angels, not demons, death, nor life, powers, nothing will separate us from the love of God. And that's the same love that kept him on the cross and the same love that got him up out of the grave. And so that's the same love that he, he desires that we show for those who we interact with. More of our prayers should be filled with asking God to help us to love like Jesus Christ. Lord, help me to love this individual. I'm having a difficult time doing that. Help me to love him. Help me to get over myself. Help me to, help me to sacrifice myself and to love them for you. Help me to love those who don't love me. Help me to love those who embarrass me. Nothing hurts more than being embarrassed. Help me to love those who are different than me. When we learn to love like Jesus, we can demonstrate power that is from God and not from this world. That leads us to the second point in demonstrating the love of Jesus Christ and, and, and what we see in, in that verse 3. He says, and that he had come from God. Jesus Christ had come from God. Those who are from God, from God are to love like God. Those who are from God are to love like God. We have the power to love because it has been given to us by the Father. We must remember where we're from. There's a saying, who do you represent? Right? And... Sometimes I think people question, who do we represent at times? Sometimes by the way we respond. We must remember where we come from. Jesus knew that he was from the Father. And from the Father wasn't just some nice catchphrase. I mean, that, that meant everything. The fact that he was from the Father and not from this world enabled him to love to the fullest extent. To love until the end. 
The love we show toward others is an indication of where we're from, either from the world or from God. There's no middle ground from the world or from God. Those who are in Christ, we used to be from the world. We used to love the things of the world. We used to desire the things of the world. Everything used to center around us, right? We used to be of the world. We used to be from the world, seeking our own glory instead of the glory of God, using the worldly power that we had for our own purpose, our own benefit. That's the way it used to be. But those who are in Christ, it says that we are a new creation, right? We are a new creation because we no longer view the worldly things in the same way. We don't have a, a worldly viewpoint. We see different now than we did before. We no longer view things in the same way. Our love is different than it used to be when we were our old person. If I can't see any difference in the love before Christ than when, than when I gave my life to Christ, something's wrong. I mean, I might not see it immediately when I give my life to Christ, but if I've been in Christ for, for 15, 20 years, I should see some change in my love. I should be a little bit more patient than I was before. I should be a little bit more kind than I was before. Are you from this world or from God? Just as the actions of Jesus Christ demonstrated who he was from, our actions demonstrate where we're from. 1 John, if we turn to 1 John chapter 4, the first epistle of John, he tells us, and he gives us some indications of and helps us to understand whether we're from God or whether we're from the world. John doesn't hold anything back. This is basically a continuation of his gospel, 1 John. In 1 John 4, he, he lays out a number of things here in this fourth chapter. He starts in verse 2. To verse 3, he says, this is how you recognize the Spirit of God. He says, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Catch that, is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Right? Plain as day, right? He says, first of all, those who are from God, they acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You got to start there. That's the beginning. You got to acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior to know that you are from God, that you have been born again, right? That's what he told Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus came to him at night, right? Jesus Christ, he didn't, Jesus Christ didn't get into a long dissertation with Nicodemus. He just said, you must be born again. And so the first thing we see from God is that those who are from God, they acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. And he goes on in verses 4 through 6. He says, you, dear, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Y'all see that? It says, you're different. You've overcome this stuff. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Right? So he's saying that one of the things, one other indication you can see that somebody is from God is that they, they desire, they hear God's word, and they like it. He says they're attentive to his word. He says those that are not from God, they won't listen to it. They, they won't pay any mind to it. 
I, I didn't say that. That's what John said, right? Some, some people looking at me. That's what John said. He says, we are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. He goes on, verse 7 through 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And that love he's talking about is that agapeo, sometimes we agape, that unconditional love, right? It, it, that love, that same love, that comes from God. We don't have that before we give our life to Christ. We got some, some messed up love, but it ain't that love. We got a pick and choose type love, right? But now that we've given our life to Christ, my love is different. John goes on in verses 12 through 13. He says, if that's not enough, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. He has given us his spirit. We live in him, says we love like him. And it doesn't happen overnight, I tell you. It doesn't happen overnight. It's that sanctification process, but it should be some growth. I must strive to be, to be growing in my love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, he goes on. And so we know and rely on the love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. I like that, lives in love. Not a temporary date with love. He says you live in love. And that live, that word live, is the same as abide or dwell. You're camped out there. It's the same thing as our, our theme for the year, right? I'm connected. When you live in something, you're connected to it. Kind of like our TVs that are plugged into the wall, right? If you look at that TV, you unplug the power from that TV, that TV is no good to you. Unless it's plugged into the power source. And our power source is God. God enables us to love. And so when God gives us his Holy Spirit, the spirit within us is the one that enables us to love others beyond ourselves. And so when somebody says, how did you do that? How are you loving somebody who doesn't love you? How are you responding in that way? You say, it's not me, it's God. Truly, not boasting on ourselves. You say, it's not me, it's God. If I had my way, I might respond a little different. But I'm growing in Christ. I'm growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Love comes from God and is God. And those who have a spirit will demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ. Again, do we fall short? Definitely. We fall short a number of times. But let us not use that as an excuse to not love better today or love more today than we did yesterday. And the thing we have to continue to keep thinking about ourselves is, again, not necessarily just loving those who love us. I can't emphasize that enough. Because Jesus Christ said, what credit is it to you that you love those who love you? He says the world does that. He says that doesn't separate you from the world. That doesn't distinguish my disciples from the world. He says, I want you to love those who don't love you. 
as Jesus Christ was on the cross. What did he do? He says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That's love. That's love. Paul was beaten many times, persecuted many times. Paul went through so many things, I can't even remember all that he went through. But yet, Paul demonstrated love. We go on. So we see that, first of all, that God gives the power to love. Right? It's him that gives the power to love, so we can't say that we can't love. A Christian who says they can't love, that it, it, doesn't, it, it's not, it, it doesn't go together. So power comes from God in order for us to love, and those who are from God are to love like God. Third we see in here, in John chapter 13, Jesus knew that he had, the Father put all things under his power, he had all power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And the third point we see for demonstrating the love of Jesus is our love for God and for others has eternal consequences. Our love for God and our love for others has eternal consequences. Jesus knew that he was returning back to the Father. And Jesus Christ, throughout his whole ministry for 33 years, no one could question his love. They might have not have believed any. And even today, you find people who may not believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, but they can't question his love. They can't question his love. Because Jesus Christ, from the beginning to the end, he demonstrated love. And God has, has blessed each and every one of us with an allotted amount of time as well in this life. And the question is, how much are we going to love while we have the time? How much are we going to demonstrate that? Will we demonstrate love while we are here in such a way that when we're called back to God, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm telling you, love for God and for others has eternal consequences. Jesus knew that it was time for him to return to the Father and he was faithful to demonstrate the love of God while he was here. And he gave us some instructions as well on how we are to love. In Matthew 22, right, he gave us two commandments. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And he says the second one, he says to love your neighbor as yourself. He says, it's not that he disregarded all the other commandments, but he said all the other ones fall up under this. He says, if you get these two right, everything else will be okay. He says, because when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, you don't build up idols in your life. You don't seek pleasure in other things. He says, so if you get that part right about loving him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, then you won't have to worry about those idols. He says, if you love your neighbor as yourself, then you won't be coveting what your neighbor's got. You won't be envying your neighbor. You won't seek to do your neighbor any wrong. He says, that's, if you get to love your neighbor as yourself right, he says, you, you're okay. Jesus Christ even raised it up a bit. He, he started out with love your neighbor as yourself, but then he says, love your neighbor as I, as I have loved you. Now, that's difficult, right? That's tough. He didn't say just love your neighbor as, 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 you know, like you love yourself. He says, love your neighbors as I, have, as I have loved you. And Jesus Christ loved us better than we loved our own self. 
So he's taking it up a notch. Sometimes we look at the commandments and the laws and say, well, you know, I don't have to do all this. I don't have to sacrifice lambs and all that stuff. Praise the Lord. I don't have to do all this stuff. Jesus Christ, he raises the bar. He raises it up. Show the same type of love that I've shown you. I can't treat people any way that I feel like it. I can't say that enough. We can't treat people the way we feel like it. Because love is not a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Love is a verb. All these loves that he's talking about, it's a verb. It's an action. I can't treat them like I feel like it. The day that I gave my life to Christ is the day I gave up my right to treat people the way I wanted to. I gave up that right. Galatians 2.20 says, For I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the moment I gave my life to Christ, I'm dead. Maceo's dead. Christ is now vacant. He's resident now. So the moment I gave my life to Christ, I gave up my right to treat others any type of way I wanted to. So when I feel like responding a certain way, I can't do it. Because that's not Christ. That's not the Christ in me. So that must, that, that, that's the reason why I must remain connected to Christ. I must remain connected to God. So that I respond like God. I'm confident when our time is up, God will call into account our love for him and our love for others. He's not just going to call into account, you know, how we spent our money and, and all this other stuff. How much did you love? Did you love in the way that I've commanded you to love? Did you love um, with that 1 Corinthians 13 type love? And it's not that we are saved by our love. That's, I don't want anyone to, I want to make sure that's plain. We're not saved by our love. Because if we were saved by our love, it would, be a, it would be a salvation by works. And our salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Our love is not the reason for our salvation, but it's the result of our salvation. There's a difference. It's not the reason, but it's the result. And so, because God has taken up residence in those who are believers in him, I need to demonstrate that love to others. Love overcomes a lot of things in the world. Love is what draws people to Christ, wanting to know more about Christ. When no one else knows the Bible and they feel and experience our love, then that is what draws them. We can have all the programs and all the things that we want. We can have all the activities, all the events, do all that we want. But if we don't have love, we're missing the mark. We're missing the mark. And the only reason we love, the only reason we can love is because Jesus Christ loved us. That's the only reason we love. We love because Jesus Christ first loved us. Now, when we look at the example that Jesus Christ set, that's the example he's trying to set for us. And that I loved you first. You weren't looking for me. You didn't love me. You rejected me. You abandoned me. You didn't care for me. But I loved you first. I loved you in spite of yourself. And I can speak for myself. I sinned against God in every way possible. Where God could have used the power that he had 
to reserve a day of judgment for me. But instead of using that power to reserve a day of judgment for me, he used that power to hang on the cross and to get up out of the grave on that third day. That's the type of love that God showed me. That's the type of love that God has shown you. Instead of using power in a way that would destroy me, Jesus Christ stepped down out of glory, out of time, into time, humbling himself, suffering all the pain and death that I deserve, and now I'm the beneficiary of that love. He did all this because he first loved me, not because I loved him first. The life of Jesus holds me accountable to love. It holds me accountable. The gospel is a gospel of love. So when I look at the gospel, he holds me accountable to love like him. I'm on the hook for loving others as he's loved me. If I willingly choose not to love like Jesus Christ is loved, if, let me put this another way. If I willingly choose not to love, but yet I seek the love of Jesus Christ for my life, then that's called a hypocrite. Because I'm, a, I'm looking for it myself, but I don't want to show it to anybody else. Minister Timothy Mullet, last week, that's what he was talking about in Jonah, right? He said, Jonah... He wanted to receive God's grace. He was thankful for God's grace, especially when he was in the belly of the, of the fish or the whale. He was, he, was, he, was, he was grateful when God brought him out. But when it came time for him to really to, to go preach and to extend that same grace to the Ninevites, he, he, he didn't want to do it. And God said, how can, you, how can you be angry? How could you be upset? Look at what I've shown you. I'm confident if we look at the love that if we just meditate and think about the love that God has shown us day in and day out, if we truly understand how we have offended God, then we would say, oh, Lord, how can I how can I not love somebody else? I think sometimes when we don't understand, when we when we fail to to grasp. How much we have offended God. Then. What others do to us will pale in comparison. When others offend us, we're sinners. When we offend God, God is holy. God is, his, is, is perfect. His standards are so much above my standards. And so that keeps me and holds me accountable. And so I pray that we will look and examine ourselves daily to see what type of love we are showing those who are around us, that we will look to grow in that type of love. And that type of love that Jesus Christ shows, it hurts. It hurts sometimes. But that's the type of love he's, he's calling us to, 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 to demonstrate. That's demonstrating the power of God when we love as Jesus Christ has called us to love. So let us examine ourselves. Let us go to God and ask him to give us the power and the strength to love, knowing that we have the power, knowing that he's the one who faithfully and graciously gives us the power to love like he has called us to love. God does not call us to do anything. He does not equip us to be able to do. So if Jesus Christ said, I want you to love like I have loved you, he's not going to call us to do that if he doesn't give us the power to be able to do that. He's not playing around with us like that. 
So if he's asked us to do it, then we've got the power to do it. Let us trust in him. Let us be faithful in that area. Let us look to grow in our love. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, our God, we, we thank you for, above all, your love toward us, Lord. For it is your love toward us that has allowed us, Father God, to see you for who you are. It is your love for us, Father God, that has allowed us, Lord, to enter into your fellowship, Father God, to be saved by you, Lord. How great is your love, Lord? It says your steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Your mercies never come to an end. I pray, Lord, that our love, that we will grow in our love as well, that others will see Jesus Christ through us, that they will not see ourselves, that our love will be patient, Lord. I pray, Father God, that our love will be kind, that it will not be proud, that it will not envy, it will not boast, that it will not be rude, that it will not be self-seeking, I pray, Father God, that our love will not be easily angered, that it will keep no record of wrongs. I pray that our love does not delight in evil, Father God, for even though we love, love does not delight in evil, Father God. And I pray that our love will rejoice with the truth, that it will always protect, that it will always trust, that it will always hope. I pray that our love always perseveres. Love never fails because you did not fail, Lord. And so we thank you for that. Keep us and guide us, Father God. Strengthen us in this area of our lives that others may know that we are your disciples by the love we show and have for one another. We thank you and praise you, Lord. It's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.